once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi. And how the hell are you? Well, here we are. We're in summer. It is July. Hooray and hurrah, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it's been so hot and so humid and so muggy that I've been walking around with my underwear stuck to my backside for three days. I know that's a beautiful visual, but basically I've been one giant perpetual wedgie and it's not sexy. Trust me. I have been covering myself with baby powder and chazerai, but it's hot and funky and muggy and that part is not fun. I do love summer. I love jumping in the pool and jumping in the ocean. I love it all. But the whole hot, muggy, you know, your underwear up your tushy thing, maybe not so much. So I suppose that you could call that TMI, you know, but I'm the queen of TMI, as you probably have already figured that out. So now here we are. We're in July. The other big thing about July is the 4th of July. Yes, honey. It's the the independence. It's our birthday. It's the birthday of the United States of America, the birthday of America, hooray and hurrah, all kinds of things to celebrate. But is there always, I don't know, lately it's not feeling so much like a big thing to celebrate. Like for instance, if it is the birthday of America, and we are supposed to be celebrating and hooraying, hurrahing, then it should be for everyone, right? All men and women are created equal. Well, what? first of all, that whole thing, all men are created equal, that's already screwed up because what happened to the women, right? That's like all men are created equal and the women are lesser than, forget it. That are, that's got to go already. So let's say we can rewrite that. All men and women are created equal. But then, is it really true? Because it does kind of seem like when all these things were figured out and enforced, and even as I'm speaking to you right now, it does kind of seem that it's not quite true. It more likely is that all white men and women are created equal, and they have a better shot, and a better shot at making more money and more power and all kinds of things. And if you happen to be brown-skinned, eh, you know, not so much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may say, well, listen, we had a president who wasn't exactly white, so maybe that's not true anymore. Well, forget about it. It's still true, and you know it, so get over yourself. So, yeah, so let's say we could stretch that now to say all men and women, regardless of the color of their skin, are created equal. That sounds a little better, right? It sounds more like a 4th of July you want to celebrate. But is it really true for the gay community? I mean, you can't even say the word gay in a classroom in Florida right now. And gay Americans are under attack every day. Their rights are being attacked. The Supreme Court would like to defend the right of businesses to turn down gay money. I mean, what the hell is that? That doesn't sound very American. That doesn't sound like equality to me. 
So let's stretch it a little further. Let's say all men and women, regardless of the color of their skin and their sexuality, are created equal. So that's starting to sound a little better, right? Starting to sound more like a 4th of July you want to celebrate, right? But how do you think it feels to be someone who is transgender, who knows in their heart and soul and to the very, very, you know, fabric of their being that they are not the sex they were born as and that they simply must be who they are, who they always were meant to be, who they are in their soul, in the fabric of their being. And yet, Fabric, what kind of word is that? The fabric of their being. And yet, every time you turn on the news, here comes another anti-trans bill coming out, stopping them from having hormone therapies. You know, just, just turn on the news. All over the country, the transgender community is under attack, under assault. Why? Because you're so lucky you happen to be a cisgender, powerful white person and you don't have any problems whatsoever. So maybe you'll just put all your time and energy into taking away the rights of people who do have problems. Is that kind of where you're at? Well, shame on you. Remember this show I used to watch, I think it was called Barney Five, and the main character would say, Shame on you, Wojo Hoets. I never forgot that. Well, shame on you, Wojo Hoets. Because that's a big pile of bull duty. And that's not what America is supposed to be. So, let's properly celebrate the 4th of July. Let's do it right. All men and women, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their sexuality, regardless of whether or not they are the sex they were born into, are created equal. Just live by that. It's so easy. Why don't you just say it this way? I'll simplify it. How about this? All humans are created equal. How about that? That's much shorter. So maybe the 4th of July could be a celebration of humanity. Yes, 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 the birth of America, you know, of, of an independent country, no longer under British rule. Um, but, you know, we went to all that trouble to become independent and be free and everything. And then look at all the crap we do. Slavery, how free is that? How could we say, look at us, we're free, we got out of the oppression of British rule, hooray and hurrah, smell us, we're so fabulous. Uh, but you know what, we're going to have slaves. Forget about it. That whole thing stinks on ice. So, humanity. All humans are created equal. Just live that way. You know what? How about this for the rest of your life? Every time you answer the phone, every time you walk out onto the street, every time you see someone coming toward you, just say that's a human being. and They have every bit as much right to live as I do and they are every bit as deserving as I am. Unless, of course, you think you're a piece of shit and you're not deserving, but, you know, don't put your crap on, oh, my God, I think that was a boo-boo word. Bleep, bleep, pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> I'm not perfect, okay? You know, every once in a while, what can I say? Maddie, forgive me. I have, I have sinned on the 4th of July. But anyway, 
All human beings are created equal. And that's all there is to it, okay? We're going to live like that. So, so this 4th of July, let's kind of call it like Human Day. How about that? So on Human Day, we're going to embrace our differences and embrace our similarities. There's so many things we have in common. We all need love. We all want love. We all choose love, right? We all need to be nurtured. We all need to be cared about. We all get scared. We all get angry. We all get afraid. You know, we've all been someone's child. Hopefully they were decent to us. But, I mean, think of all the things we have in common for crying out loud. So now, let's start over. Happy Fourth of July. All human beings are created equal. And there you have it. I feel better already, don't you? So go on that route. How might we celebrate our human day, the birth of humanity, of decency? Well, of course, we'd like to celebrate it with the fireworks. I mean, the fireworks are gorgeous. We all like fireworks. When I was growing up, we always would light the sparklers and go running around. We thought that was so exciting. We were kids, and eventually they'd burn your fingers, but that's okay. And we'd go out to the beach and see the fireworks, and we ooh and ah, and oh my God. I remember when I was a kid, I was young. I mean, I was like six and seven years old and already fully aware of the fact that there was something kind of weird and a little crappy about my family. I was kind of starting to figure that out. You know, slowly it was descending on me like locusts that maybe my mother was a little bit crackers, you know, because she was spending a lot of time talking to dead people. And maybe the way she dressed us was a little weird because I started looking around and I was just like, wow, we really are kind of the freaks in town, you know what I mean? And so uh, our guests, you know, we, were, we moved around a lot and the bullies always found us and they always wanted to harass us. And luckily for me, I was a big, strong, tough tomboy and very good at smacking other kids. And so I earned my respect, but, you know, it didn't go without a fight. I really had to fight to pave my way. And so life was stressful for me as a kid. I had my mother talking to dead relatives. I had my sister who liked to speak in the voice of a chicken. I had my brother who, unfortunately, we went to see a Frankenstein movie and I know my parents wished they never took us because my brother spent the entire rest of his childhood imitating Igor. And so off we would go to try to be a family in a restaurant, like the Ground Round restaurant. That was like a high-end restaurant for us. And my mother would drag us in for the Wednesday all-you-can-eat fish fry, fried flounder. And we weren't allowed to load up on the peanuts or the bread or anything. She would just force feed us like more fried flounder than any child could ever eat. I mean, we left looking like we were nine months pregnant. And you try to wash it down with root beer, but Lord, we were a gassy family. And, you know, they're walking into the restaurant, you know, they knew when they saw us coming in, they're like, oh, dear Lord, they're back. Help us now. But my brother would come in like Igor, Igor want fish, Igor want fish. He would come in hunching. My sister would come in like the chicken lady, Pikash, Pikash, 
Bakash for the mash. Bakash for the mash. My mother would generally come in farting because she'd been, you know, shotgunning three liter bottles of diet soda. My father would come in pretending he didn't know us. And I would come in very much like my father, pretending I didn't know anyone either and hoping that if I closed my eyes, it would all go away. So it was kind of a stressful childhood. And yet, when we would go out to the beach and the fireworks would start, it was like, I don't know, how long did they go out for a half hour, maybe? It felt like hours. It just felt like hours. And all that time of the fireworks shooting off, I just felt like, oh, all is right with the universe. I would just get lost in the colors and the sparks and the beauty and oh I would make my heart stop I mean in a good way not a bad way and just I just felt myself smiling to the deepest part of my soul and I never let go of that feeling I was blessed to have an apartment for eight years in Provincetown which had a spectacular view of the fireworks it's the smallest apartment I ever lived in in my life I shared it with a friend of mine, and both of us would go back and forth. He would go back and forth to Rochester, and I would go back and forth to Manhattan. And so I'd have it for a month, he would have it for a month. But it was so tiny. I used to say, this apartment is only slightly larger than my vagina. Seriously. It was, you're allowed to say vagina on public radio, okay? I checked. Thank God. I mean, forget it. How do you think you got here? You came through a vagina, right? Anyway, the apartment was so small, I once dislocated my shoulder trying to wipe my tushy in the bathroom. There's another TMI, but I don't care. I'm on a roll. But it was on the second floor of a deck overlooking the Provincetown Bay. And every year I would go out on that deck and have front row seats for the spectacular fireworks. I mean, it just took my breath away. Oh, my God. And this year, I am not going to be dealing with the crowds of New York. I do hate crowds. I'm not going to deal with all that hustle and bustle. You know, you feel like a sardine. I'm going to Red Hook, Brooklyn. Yes, I am. And that's where I'm going to have the best view of the fireworks. Not everybody knows about it. And maybe I shouldn't tell you because if the word gets out, it'll be too crowded next year. But my girlfriend, Lila, and I, going to see the fireworks in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Yes, baby. It really rocks there. There's not very many neighborhoods left in New York that feel like a neighborhood. Unfortunately, oh, all the neighborhoods have disappeared and been washed over with money and greed. My girlfriend and I went past one of the last old school diners in the East Village that had hung on for a long time and finally closed, sadly, uh, a couple years ago. They didn't make it through COVID. A great old diner called Odessa, old Polish diner, I believe it was. And we ate there a lot, very cheap and very greasy and very fabulous. Well, Odessa got bought up by a vegetarian restaurant that did very, very, very well as a burger joint called Superiority, the Superiority Burger. And so we couldn't believe it. We're like, oh my God, Odessa is a swanky veggie place. What up? 
we had to wait over an hour for a table. And then when we finally sat down, we were served very tiny portions of food, very grossly overpriced. So I was given some sautéed collard greens and they they charged me like $15 for an order of sautéed collard greens or something. We're like, oh my God, forget about it. What happened to little Poland, to little Ukraine, to the East Village, to the Second Avenue Deli? What happened to it being Jewish? What happened to all of that? It's gone. The edge is gone. The neighborhoods are gone. It just breaks my heart. I was talking to my lovely sous chef Jeremy today because there's a great documentary out that you must see called The Stroll and it was made which was one of the coolest things it was made by uh, a transgender woman who had been a sex worker in the meat market in the 80s and she did this great documentary and got lots of other sex workers um, who she'd worked with and and just it just was done so well lots of footage from the old days and you know the whole thing anyway it was also heartbreaking because as she explained most of the women most of the transgender women that she worked with died some were murdered they just didn't make it and it seemed like there was only six or seven of them left to tell the story it was really heartbreaking And I started feeling so sad. I was talking to Jeremy about it because I really miss the meat market that I met. The meat market that I met in 1981, which was edgy and wild and actually full of meat markets. I mean, it all smelled like meat. Really was kind of stinky, okay? It smelled like rotting meat because what can I say? Just, but it was really great with edge and we would go to a place called Florent at two in the morning I think I used to have eggs there at two in the morning and I remember in 1981 going out dancing at the Peppermint Lounge with a friend of mine and I'd never I mean I was from Jersey I was a teenager run away from Jersey what did I know we danced all night at the Peppermint Lounge and then we wound up at this great bagel place in the meat market called Dizzy Izzy's. And there at like four in the morning, I'm sitting on the hood of my friend's car, eating a bagel that was hot from the oven, dripping with cream cheese, dripping down my face after having danced all night long. And it was so exciting. And there were all of these transgender prostitutes all around me, and they were just laughing and carrying on. And and just, you know, it was dangerous and there was crime. It was all kinds of stuff happening, some very wild S&M bars. I mean, okay, look, it was a little dangerous and people were getting killed and terrible things were happening. Yes, 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 all that was terrible. But I really missed that excitement and that edge. And say in a lot of ways, sitting there on the hood of that car eating that bagel at four in the morning in 1981 was almost the most exciting moment of my life. I said, finally, this is it. This is New York City. I'm here. I'm in the center of the universe. It's rough and edgy and wild and real. And I just felt really alive. And all of that is gone. Now it's unaffordable designer boutiques and shops, you know, 
it's, it kind of makes me ill to tell you the truth. Even Hogs and Heifers is gone. I once danced on the bar there and the bartender was screaming for me to take my bra off and hang it on the wall with all the other bras and I refused. She First she asked me and my friends to dance on the bar and my friend said, we don't dance, we're Jewish. She made a joke. But the bartender got out a bullhorn and started screaming, dance, Jew, dance. And we were like, we're laughing, but we're kind of, all right. So we got up and danced on the bar, had a good old time. All of that is gone. And there's this very swank, overpriced Mexican restaurant in the place that was once the vault, where, I mean, I have to say, I went a few times for a few parties. One time, a Hasidic man with a long beard asked me to spank him, and everything was wrong with that moment, I gotta say. I was a little bit horrified, but I digress. Now, where was I? Okay, so my point is, well, I don't know what my point is. My point is that I am nostalgic for all the things that are gone, and I hate that money has ruined things. I hate that money has ruined Provincetown. I mean, Provincetown was a place where artists and writers could go and stay and live and thrive and were embraced. And in the winter, all the richy riches would give their mansions for free or for almost no money to artists and writers to be caretakers. And there was a great year-round community and there was a school and kids and there was life. And now it's so friggin' expensive that no one can stay there. I mean, I used to scrape together my money and, you know, stay at a kind of a swank place on the water. My girlfriend and I, we would spend a week there and it cost a couple thousand dollars and, you know, it was worth it. We would save and we would go and have a great time. And now that place is like triple that. I mean, you can go to Europe and back for less money than a week on the water in Provincetown. Now, something is wrong with that. So I'm appealing to everyone who makes decisions in that town to get it together before you turn into the Hamptons. Well, you kind of already have, but I refuse to believe that the Provincetown I love is gone. So stand up and save it, baby. And that's the same for everywhere else. So... On this 4th of July, let's celebrate the equality of all human beings. Let's try to make things a little more affordable for everybody as best we can. It can't just be the Emerald City. You know, the gay people and the artists go into a place, they make it great. And then, you know, everyone else follows and makes it so expensive that they can't be there. I mean, give me a break, you know? Okay, if you're a rich gay man, you know, well, maybe I'm not going to include you in that equation. But you know what I mean. Anyway, I suppose I have to give you a recipe, right? Because I've been kvetching and moaning and on and on and on. Well, how about this 4th of July? How about you make a seven-layer dip? That's white trash and cheesy and kind of fun, right? Have you ever made one? It's so cool. you got to use a glass dish because you want to see the layers. And the bottom of the glass dish, you put refried, be- refried beans. And you can just get refried beans out of the can, really. Seriously, they're fine. I usually sprinkle a little extra taco seasoning, like a little chili powder and cumin and coriander. Then over the refried beans, you put guacamole. I always make my own because it's fabulous. And just do mash avocado and lime and cumin and coriander and minced jalapeno. And sometimes I'll take some caramelized roasted garlic and puree it and weave it in. I like to keep it very limey and also, of course, cilantro, salt and pepper. You make your guac the way you want to. You put the guac over the refried beans and then you're like, well, what's going to keep the guacamole from turning brown and getting ugly? Oh my God, oh my God. Well, 
you cover it completely in sour cream. What do you think of that? And then over the sour cream, you do a ton of grated cheese, like grated cheddar and Monterey Jack combined would be great. And then over that, you do a nice chunky tomato salsa. You could buy it out of a jar if you want, or you could just chop up some tomatoes and some red onion and some jalapeno, a little more lime juice, and give it some seasoning to your liking. Cover that on top. And then on top of that, you want to do some thin sliced scallions and some thin sliced black olives. So I don't know, is that seven layers? You got the bean, the guac, the sour cream, the salsa, the cheese, um, the olives. I feel like I'm forgetting a layer. I don't know. Maybe I'm forgetting a layer. Whatever. You know, I did have an Aperol spritzer, so I can't be held accountable. But anyway, you have it in the glass dish, and you see all those layers, and it's so cool. It's really pretty. You see the brown refried beans and the green guac and the white sour cream and the red salsa and the orange cheese and the black olives and the green scallions and that's just a gorgeous thing of course you want to serve it with corn chips for dipping because i think that's kind of cool and i think that's a great fun thing to serve on the fourth of july don't you and yeah yeah you have to have hot dogs and hamburgers you know but you could also have beyond burger hamburgers which i really really like um i grew up on heber national hot dogs that were fairly unrecognizable as a hot dog because my father overcooked them so much that they looked like so wrinkled, like as if you were in the swimming pool way too long or the bathtub way too long. And they, when you bit into them, nothing juicy erupted in your mouth. Like you want a nice juicy thing happening when you bite into a hot dog. It was just so dry because it had been cooked so long. So the only way you could really eat them was you needed like a whole cup of ketchup. Every bite had to be completely dipped in ketchup. I would dip it in ketchup and mustard and anything just because, you know, I mean, it wasn't so pleasant. But, you know, that was home cooking to me, right? So this 4th of July, let's celebrate humanity, every kind, black or white or gay or straight or man or woman or cisgender or trans or whatever. Let's celebrate it all. Let's just be decent. A lot of bad crap is happening around this country right now. We have a Supreme Court. Oh, Lord, the, half of them are getting paid off by billionaires. The other half are just, I don't know where they're going. I still can't believe they overturned Roe versus Wade. I mean, we've stepped back 50 years. So let's just reclaim our decency and our freedom and our humanity. Let's have a real 4th of July, okay? Now go out and do something to make the world a little better, please. And if you're in Provincetown and you're like a mega millionaire and you have a gorgeous place and then you're not there in the winter, why don't you let an artist or writer stay in your place for crying out loud for no money or very little money? Why don't you just try out being a decent person, all right? For crying out loud, what's the matter with you? Shame on you. This is Rossi on a rant, clearly, for raging and eating. And as always, food is love. And so are you. Now, please go out and do something decent. Celebrate the 4th of July by being a mensch for crying out loud. You know what I mean? Stop being a crackerjack. Be a decent person. Oy vey. I'm exhausted myself. Maddie, I love you. Sorry about that little boo-boo. 
Happy Fourth of July, everyone, for raging and eating. Now, if food is love, and so are you, maybe do something about it. Spread that love around, because life is short. Adios.